Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Phyllis DeJoya, Executive Director of the Honor Wellness Center, a new program getting off the ground in Manchester to help with the mental and behavioral health needs of first responders and military veterans. Also joined by Suffield Police Captain Chris McKee. He is a volunteer with the Honor Wellness Center. Good morning to both of you. Good Good morning, morning, Aaron. Aaron. Phyllis, why don't you start by telling us what the Honor Wellness Center is and how you got the concept for it? Sure. Thank you, Aaron. So Honor Wellness Center is an intensive outpatient treatment program to serve the mental health, addictions, and trauma service needs for first responders and military veterans. And what we look at for that intensive outpatient treatment program is that we will be offering not only group programming that's done on an educational, what we call a psychoeducational basis, for example. And that means that we discuss each topic that's pertinent to the individual first responder or veteran who has come in and said, this is my issue. I'm looking to work on post-traumatic stress disorder and perhaps an addiction issue. And so what we do is set up an educational track of classes for them that we discuss not only the details of that issue, but also how it applies to them and try to tailor a strategic plan that can be a daily maintenance plan of action. What we're looking to do right from the get-go is relapse prevention and daily maintenance and management of the issue, because that's really what it's about. Naming it, understanding it, and then of course managing it. How do I live with this rather than feel like a hostage to it. You've been working with first responders for about 15 years now. How is working with them different from working with the population in general when it comes to counseling? When we look at uh, the really common denominator for first responders and veterans, they are mission focused. They are greater good, something above and beyond greater than themselves mission focused. And so that would be probably the biggest common denominator that I would say for this culture. With that, they are in within that mission. At times, they can be a little more guarded in how they discuss information and to whom and how. So we make sure that the network which will be working with them specializes with the culture understands the culture, and may also even be uh, a retired member of the first responder and or military veteran culture. So that's 
that's the number one difference, I would say, in working with first responders and veterans. Captain McKee, how did you come to be involved with the Honor Wellness Center? So uh, in the profession of law enforcement, in our culture, Aaron, um, over, say, probably the last decade, there's been a increased awareness and effort to address peer support, officer wellness, officer well-being, um, recognizing the various stressors that our personnel, the, the incidents they respond to, and whether maybe a single incident exposes them to trauma or it's simply a matter of cumulative stress that over a period of years, um, you know, takes its toll on our people. And so, Peer support and and wellness has been something that I've been very interested and involved with over the last decade, um, and I certainly have been um, you know either attending or participating in, in various trainings in on these type of topics. And um, so you know Phyllis has been in this and been doing this uh, this work to help our first responders for quite a long time as well. And um, you know recently this this past year, I like a lot of my colleagues in the fire service and the police service uh, became a volunteer. For honor wellness. Talk about some of the stresses of the job that can have that cumulative effect. I mean, for policing especially, you can go from zero to 60 in a matter of seconds when you respond to a situation. That's absolutely right. And so, um, you know, whether it's a physiological response, um, you know, certainly an emotional response, um, you know, policing as a profession, you know, we're taught to get in there and, and to respond and to act and to handle everyone else's trauma and, and issues and sort it out and then, you know, possibly move on to the next call. So whether it's a motor vehicle accident, whether it's a, a, a crime scene, a horrible scene, a, the death of a child, you know, I think the community at large and, and certainly the profession of law enforcement is starting to realize that, you know, these are humans that are simply wearing blue and, and have a badge and, and patches. But, um, you know, these things affect us just like it would affect anyone else. And so um, there's a multitude of things that could cause a trauma and, and really, you know, a, an officer to dwell on a subject, to be impacted by a subject. And, and we've seen the toll that takes. We've seen the toll uh, over the years as far as losing good police officers because they just can't perform um, to the standard anymore because of what they've been exposed to. We've seen, um, you know, substance abuse and addiction. Um, you know, law enforcement officers, fire service folks are no different than the regular population. And, you know, sometimes uh, bad coping strategies are adopted. And certainly here in Connecticut, as we've witnessed over the last several years, we've seen an incredible increase in um, suicides in by law enforcement officers. And so what Honor Wellness Center is doing and is, uh, you know, building up and ramping up to do is hopefully going to, uh, well, not hopefully, it will. It'll make a positive impact in um, helping our first responders take care of themselves, helping their families um, so that, you know, we can continue to take care of everyone else. Phyllis, you are still in the process of getting things off the ground at the Honor Wellness Center. Where are you in that process and what services are you hoping to offer? Sure. So right now we're in the process of getting our licensure through Department of Public Health. And once we have the licensure, it will be gaining uh, credentialing toward acceptance of commercial insurance as well as military TRICARE insurance. And so with that, I've been seeing clients for individual and group sessions. I have another clinician coming on board and once we have everything in place, uh, our goal is to be able to have 
those group sessions of psychoeducational component as well as a supportive nature. We currently have AA, NA, and mindfulness meetings for first responders that will be facilitated by recovered first responders happening at Honor Wellness Center. And we'll have case managers that will be following each first responder client for a period of six to 12 months in their treatment. On the other side, we also have alternative therapies, including yoga, tai chi, and qigong. We have a uh, room that's specifically set aside as a studio for those classes. And we have first responders who are certified to teach those alternative therapies. What you're hoping to build here, is this a new concept or are other organizations already operating in other parts of the country? So that's a great question. What we've seen on an inpatient level in other states, for example, Brattleboro Retreat in Vermont and Marworth Geisinger Treatment Center in Pennsylvania, Livingren in New Jersey, for example, are inpatient uniform services programs. And the difference is Connecticut does not have anything for uniformed services programming on an intensive outpatient level specifically for first responders and veterans. So with that, we have seen what those programs offer out of state and what our first responders and veterans have been able to achieve out of state. However, when they come back to Connecticut, there has been nothing. And as far as our program goes, we are the only freestanding, unaffiliated with a hospital care system or corporatized entity, intensive outpatient treatment program specializing on the East Coast. To my knowledge, in California, as well as uh, in Chicago, I believe, there is another program that has an intensive outpatient and inpatient program. In New York City, there is an intensive outpatient program that's also uh, affiliated with an inpatient hospital entity. Talk a little more about the importance of case management. This isn't something like getting treated for a broken leg, you get the treatment and you move on. This is an ongoing process. And you know, Aaron, one thing that we always recommend is that, uh, you know, some people say it facetiously, the checkup from the neck up is something that is just as necessary as a dental visit every six months. And what we say there is, as Chris was talking about cumulative stress, the potential for cumulative stress for first responders and veterans, whether it be fire, police, military, EMS, dispatchers, or corrections, the cumulative stress component isn't just a maybe, it's an absolute. It's a daily potential, which is another one of those components that sets this population apart from any other population that we would work with in mental health. That component of cumulative stress as a, that's a given, it's going to happen. It's about managing that on a daily basis. And so when we say they're going to have to come back more than likely, that's actually the main reason why we say, okay, 
we're going to put case management in place here so that we give that opportunity to just say, hey, we're still here. If you need it, we're still here and we'll be visible. The other part of it is creating that safe haven where they can, a first responder can come in or a captain could bring an employee and say, you know what, I think they really need to talk with someone or sit in on a group and they can do that or call me on my cell phone and say, hey, I've got this going on. What do you think? You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Phyllis DeJoya. She is executive director of the Honor Wellness Center, getting off the ground in Manchester, joined by Suffield Police Captain Chris McKee, a volunteer with the Honor Wellness Center. Phyllis touched upon it earlier, Captain McKee, but law enforcement and military Mm -hmm. personnel often have to put on a a gruff persona or, you know, a kind of a a tough person persona based on some of the situations they face. And I gather that also poses challenges when you're you're trying to, you know, work through and, and get behavioral or mental health treatment. It absolutely does. Um, you know, just as there's a stigma that still exists regarding mental health in our society, in our communities, there's certainly a stigma in first responders that I should be able to manage this myself. I manage everyone else's crisis and, you know, and we do, we do demand, excuse me, we do demand that, you know, our, our, our officers or first responders go to a scene and, and they act, you know, we don't, we don't have time to reflect or have emotion or, um, you know, we have to manage the crisis that's there. But um, as, as you're saying, what happens afterwards and, um, you know, the type of folks that go into the action oriented uh, people that go into police and fire services and EMS services don't necessarily think about their own wellness and their own care. You know, I, I'm going to just handle this and I can handle my own. And we don't want to share that. We don't want to expose our, uh, our, you know, our weakness, our underbelly, if you will. So it's a challenge as a, as a leader in any of these services. It's a challenge to get our employees to embrace, you know, we understand this is going to happen. This is your brain. This isn't, this is, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And we want to take care of you just as we take care of your, your health and your fitness, we want to take care of your mental health, your mental wellness. It shouldn't necessarily be that way. It shouldn't be a shock to police officers and other folks because um, study after study, you know, particularly recently, have, have come out about the impact of, of stress and trauma on all of us. Um, as recently as April of this year, USA Today reported on a study that showed that last year more police and firefighters took their own lives then were killed in the line of duty from whatever the reason, uh, you know, being in a car accident on duty or, you know, being assaulted and then, you know, stabbed or shot or, or drowning, you know, whatever the, the cause may be. But more of our first responders are finding themselves uh, faced with hopelessness and, and you know, taking that final act. And um, it's something, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. But thankfully, with a resource like Honor Wellness Center, and, the, and Phyllis and her reputation in the first responder community for having done this for numerous years, having earned the trust of, of folks across those disciplines of police, fire, and EMS, there's, there's a place we can go now. Phyllis, how much does this field continue to evolve? Always, always. And, you know, it's, it's certainly with a growing everyday sense of humility, watching people like 
Captain McKee um, in positions of authority who have come to a place of understanding, acceptance, and advocacy for their people in saying, you know what, it's not business as usual. This is not old school mentality of just suck it up and deal with it and get out there. This is saying to their people, you're human. And the brain has a finite capacity for cumulative stress and trauma for everyone, for the first responder and veteran who on a daily basis are at the very least prepared to go into a life-threatening situation. They may not, but they're prepared for it, where most of us don't even have to think about that. They not only think about it, they prepare for it. Therefore, physiologically, their bodies are geared for a higher level of adrenaline storage just because, just because they have that heightened state of awareness. So this field, this culture is constantly evolving in its acceptance of the knowledge that, yes, they have this human physiological condition. They're more accepting of it. And therefore, with that, they're saying, okay, I think I might consider the potential for mental health issues and a need to maintain that because what we're seeing out in society is less reverence and respect for law enforcement. We're seeing certain situations for fire and emergency medical response, ambush situations when they're responding to calls. Dispatchers and corrections are absolutely experiencing much higher levels of stress and trauma in their daily work as well. And so given all of those factors, the first responder and veteran communities alike are always evolving and certainly now more of an understanding and acceptance of I need to maintain what's going on with me so that I can stay in the game because they want to. They have that mission focus. They want to perform for the greater good of all of us. And they respond immediately to all of it. That's what we're looking to do is meet that immediate response for them. I think uh, to Phyllis's point, she, uh, to add to that and, and almost uh, go back to something that you referenced, Aaron, staying in the game, there's the unusual challenge in law enforcement and other first responder public safety organizations that the game continues. And whereas a, a, an incident occurs, and you mentioned, you referenced the going from zero to 60, by the nature of what we do, um, we may go back down to zero again. And one of the most compelling um, impacting statements that, that really opened my eyes was when um, an officer, uh, we were at a scene and uh, um, unfortunately a child had died in, in the bed. The, you know, uh, the father had rolled over in the middle of the night and, and the child had been suffocated um, completely you know, by accident. But the officer, one officer was then sent once that scene was, you know, the there was medical care, there was things rendered. The officer was then sent to a complaint of that a neighbor was complaining that someone else was cutting down trees and dropping the leaves on that other person's property. And he, this officer made a comment that is stuck with me that 
He couldn't believe he had to go from what we just experienced to then go deal with someone whose concern was about their neighbor dumping leaves on their property. And so the game continues. We do our best to, to get our people uh, relieved from duty, but sometimes that you know that call might come in right afterwards, and we don't have an infinite number of resources. We have to go. And so um, I, I think that's a, a challenge in this culture that uh, you know folks in other professions may not have to experience. Phyllis, in group therapy sessions, how important is it to provide a setting where first responders and veterans can talk with other people in their field about their issues, other people who get it? Exactly. Uh, Aaron, that's, that's really one of the number one pieces here at the crux of why a uniformed services program, they get it. They understand each other. And if they feel as though they're sitting next to someone or talking with someone that doesn't understand or in some way, shape, or form guilts or shames them for the actions they may have had to take to accomplish the mission at hand, they'll shut down. They won't open up. They won't talk about what is normal to their culture, what is normal to their daily functioning in the mission-focused mentality. So it's absolutely integral to have a uniformed services program where they can talk with each other of like-minded mission focus. Talk about the really cross-section of the community you've assembled to help get the Honor Wellness Center off the ground. I'm looking at the the list of your, I think it's your board of directors here. Yes. And uh, folks from a lot of different uh, lines of work, but uh, all one thing in common. One thing in common for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm humbled and blessed every day to know each and every one of them, including our volunteers, beautiful people with beautiful hearts. And what they're looking to do collectively is certainly serve each other, serve the greater good for the first responders and veterans that we will be serving from a mental health addictions and trauma perspective. Really, because they get it, because they've lived it on many different levels, we have police, fire, EMS, dispatchers, corrections, and veterans represented on the board of directors as well as our volunteer structure. We also have a spiritual component because spiritual advisement, whatever the denomination, I think is very necessary from that foundation building perspective. We have clinicians as well as a representative, the executive director of the Connecticut Alliance to Benefit Law Enforcement and Believe 208, uh, the founder of Believe 208, who is the wife of a police officer who died by suicide several years ago. And she has been providing trainings regarding suicide among law enforcement and first responders. So with all of that, that collective expertise, that is about advocating for our first responders and veterans and then empowering that daily management of this as a community. This is about also building a sense of community. If people want to learn more about the Honor Wellness Center, how can they do that? Our website is honorwellness.org. 
Also, my cell phone number, because everyone's got it, 860-919-9762. And my email address, phyllis at honorwellness.org. She is Phyllis DeJoya, Executive Director of the Honor Wellness Center, joined by Suffield Police Captain Chris McKee, a volunteer with the Honor Wellness Center. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.